the chairs are all messed up again. Ever since I've been here, every week, Don changes up the chairs. I just want to state that I like them better the old way, okay? Nah, glad you're here, gang. I uh, want you to take your Bible with me this morning, and I want you to go with me to Daniel chapter 1, okay? I hope you brought your Bible, and Daniel may not be the easiest one to find. Go to the center, go right about a quarter of an inch, okay? And I want you to... I want you to go with me to Daniel. Today we're going to be in Daniel chapter 1. And then when you find it, here's what I want you to do for just a moment, okay? I want you to think about something in your life, an event that happened, or perhaps a decision you made that totally altered, totally changed your life, and your life's never been the same. Okay? Let your mind take a little trip, okay? All of us, I think, have moments. Every person, nation for that matter, have events or decisions that come. That when that event happens or the decision is made, life is changed forever. World history records that for us. Biblical history records it for us. That something happens to a people or something happens to a nation that changes that nation or that person forever. Let me give you some examples. Pearl Harbor. Most of you in this room only know Pearl Harbor because of what you read in a history book. But the fact of the matter is Pearl Harbor changed the United States of America. Closer to our timeline would be September 11. Again, we're still recovering from, we're still making adjustments to, that tragic day when the United States of America forever changed. And I I believe we'll never fully get over September 11. When you look at the Bible, you find there are events and decisions in the Bible just like that. For example, Abraham, living in Ur of the Chaldeans, there with his family. And all of a sudden, the voice of God came upon him, and God said to Abraham, Abram then, he said, Leave your father. Go out into a land that I'm going to show you. Abraham left out, the Bible says, not knowing where he was going. Abraham's life was never the same again. Moses spent 40 years in the desert tending sheep. Sheep that wasn't even his own, his father-in-law's. Every day, for 40 days, Moses got up, went out into the desert, and fed sheep, except for one day. And on that particular day, Moses saw a bush that was burning, but it wasn't consumed. And as he peered into the bush, all of a sudden, he heard the voice of God, and Moses' life was never the same again. David, young David, the run of the litter, was out doing what the youngest did in those days, taking care of his father's flock. 
But on one particular day, Samuel came. And with a flask of oil, anointed David king. And David's life was never the same again. This past week, I was talking to one of our preteen girls. And I was... And by the way, gang... You need to really pray for the finishing of this camp. God's doing some neat things in our preteens. We, we had two more preteens saved last week. Isn't that incredible? Ain't no telling what's going to happen out there, okay? Yeah, it just, you know, it's amazing. And I was talking about how it, when we're at the end of all time, when we're in heaven and eternity, we're going to get to see all the great Bible teachers and Bible leaders and Joshua and all those. And a little girl came up to me and she says, well, I'm, if that's true, is that true? I said, yeah, it's true. Trust me, I'm a preacher. You know? I only sin on Saturdays. Okay? And she said, well, I want to see Esther. And I said, oh, Esther. How in her life, Mordecai, her cousin, said, who knows, Esther, maybe for such a time of this. You were chosen. Esther stepped up. Her world changed. It was never the same again. I was reading this week in my quiet time about John the Baptist. He was in prison and because of uh, circumstances, John the Baptist was the first Baptist preacher to lose his head over dancing. And he had his head chopped up because chopped off because of something, but in the Bible that I was reading, it said, on a strategic day. Beloved, everybody has strategic days in their lives. There are events that happen to an individual. There are events that happen to a nation that when it happens, that nation is never the same again. Whether this election that's coming up is one of those moments or not, gang, I don't know. You hear an awful lot, don't you, that this is the most important election we'll ever have. You hear an awful lot that if we don't do a certain thing or vote a certain way, we're never going to be. I don't know that. I, I have to tell you, I don't know that. God alone knows that. But what I do believe is this. That as we go into this election, everybody who claims the name of Jesus Christ, everybody who says that they have been redeemed through the blood that was shed upon the cross, every one of us have a responsibility that as we go to the election booth, that we have a biblical worldview with regard to the decision we make. And whatever happens, happens. At least we should have the peace of knowing that we did our best to follow what we believe the Word of God teaches us. And, and beloved, I tell you this, I think we ought to have that decision made long before the moment ever comes. I think our goals are kind of like this. We must know what our value system is. I want to challenge you to spend some time over the next couple weeks to really determine what your value system, what your core belief really is. 
that core belief that's going to cause you to, to, to make a certain decision or to lead your family a certain way. We ought to have our core values very clearly defined for ourselves. I think secondly, we ought to know what our temperament is or what our personality is prone toward. Based upon pressure or based upon a decision you have to make, you have to know what your temperament's given toward. And balance that with what the Bible says about Christian character. I think you need to know which way the winds of society are blowing. Gang, we, I, I think Christians need to pull their head out of the sand. And we need to evaluate biblically, logically, rationally what we see happening in our society today. And then act not in feelings or emotions, but act with conviction of our spirit and vote the way a Christian ought to vote. Today I want to spend time in the first chapter of Daniel. Let me tell you a little bit about Daniel. He was a God follower all of his life. He never gave in to the winds of society or the, the way the winds were blowing in his world. He was a young man, probably grew up in a very solid family. At the age of 15, he was snatched up, deported to a foreign land, taken away from his family, and for 85 years lived in a foreign land, never any hope of going home. In fact, he never did go home. Every bit of his stability, every bit of his security was snatched away when he was a teenager. And I believe that Daniel has something to say to us today. I want us to read, if you'll stand, if you can, if you're physically you can't, that's fine, but... If you can, I want us to read the entire first chapter of the book of Daniel. I'm going to share just a few things, maybe draw some, some applications at the end, maybe leave a charge with you. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Then the king ordered Aphinez, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles, youths in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had ability for serving in the king's court. And he ordered him to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank. And he appointed that every, or he appointed that they should be educated for three years, at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now among them were the sons of Judah, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them. And to Daniel he assigned the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah he assigned Shadrach. To Mishael, 
Meshach, Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. But Daniel made up his mind. Verse 8 is very critical. Because this is what I believe you must do, and I believe that we as a nation must especially the Christian community, the church today. Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has appointed your food and your drink. For why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the use or your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Mishael and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days. And let, let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be observed in your presence in the appearance of the youth who are eating the king's choice food and Deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, their appearance seemed better and they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and the wine they were to drink, giving them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. And at the end of the days which the king had specified for, for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them. And out of all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. As for the matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all the realm. And the Bible says that Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus, the king. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that You'll help me share what's on my heart in a way that's clear this morning. I, I'm wrestling in my spirit some, and I don't know if that's uh, the enemy trying to distract my heart, or Father, if it's you, frankly, who's trying to get me to go in a direction that may be a little different than what I thought. I really don't know. But Father, I believe that what we're going to say today is important. I think certainly the election that's coming up is very important. And Father, we may not can change the world. We may not even can change the nation. But God, we can stand on biblical principles. And we can live as Christians should live. We should decide the way the Word of God teaches us. And Father, we can look at those in the Bible, men and women whom you use greatly because they wholly followed you. 
So God, I, I pray you'll help me today to be faithful to your word and faithful to your Holy Spirit as I pray he'll lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. Be seated. Now I want you to look. Keep your Bible open. And what I want to do first in verses 1 through 7, talk to you just a moment about the challenge that, that Daniel faced. Okay? He was in a tough situation. He faced an enormous challenge. As a teenager, every shred of stability was taken away and every foundation underneath him was stripped away. Every standard of value was suddenly and radically changed. Daniel was forced to live in a new culture. Look at verse 4. They tried to change his literature and language. I believe they did to him what Hollywood is trying to do to our children today. I believe that Hollywood and the liberal left are trying to what we call brainwash our kids, trying to make them think a little different, kind of uh, help them uh, dim the colors of what is right and what is wrong, what is black and what is right, and begin to look a little gray. That's what they tried to do to Daniel. And dear Christian, I want you to know that Hollywood, and I want you to know that the liberals in our country today are trying to do those very same things to your children and to my grandchildren. And we must not let that happen. If you look at verse 7, they even changed his name. What does a name do? It gives you identity. A name is who you are. You see, in our topsy-turvy world today, you may not be able to control everything that's going on around you, but you ought to at least know you who you are. You ought to know your name. You ought to know what you were raised with. You ought to know what your values are. You ought to know what the values of your mom and dad were. You ought to be able to distinguish right and wrong. And you ought to be able to tell your kids, this is right, this is wrong. And we're going to live right for the glory of God. They tried to change his name. The word Daniel means God is my judge. Belshazzar means Bel, protect the king. We live in a culture much like Daniel's today. A culture that continually tries to restrict religious freedom. And beloved, I'll tell you, I've got a good friend who believes even that before our days are gone, us preachers who stand to proclaim the word of God. It might almost even be illegal to stand and say that abortion kills and is murder. That homosexuality is sin in the eyes and the face of God. We live in that kind of increasing culture against religious freedom. Don't be ignorant of the way the winds of society are blowing. We live in a culture that tries to get us to change our name, compromise our convictions and our values. Liberals want us to give away everything that's of value, increase our debt, instead of believing that a hard day's work still brings some reward. 
They want us to throw away what is of God and what is good. They want us to water down what is absolute truth. So now the colors are dim. I don't know if you read yesterday's paper. I got an email last week from the Pew Research. And it's an incredible statistic that they, that they gave. They, they call it the nuns. That there's an increasingly larger, radically larger number of people today that really claim no affiliation to any kind of church or any kind of spiritual thing. They call them the nuns because they're attached to nothing. 20%, listen, 20% of people in the United States of America today has no connection to anything religious. Those under the age of 30, 33% claim no connection. 44 million people in the United States of America claim nothing that's connected to God. That's the culture in which we live. That's the culture in which your kids are growing up in, dear people. Some months ago, I got an article. It was an article that the name of it was called The New Normal. And I, I don't know if you've read it or heard it or not, but it's called The New Normal. And don't quote me on the statistics, but you'll get the, the theme of what I'm trying to say. The idea of the article was this, that, that say you have a church that runs 100 and... Sunday school, let's say 100 in Sunday school. The old way was if you wanted to average 100 in Sunday school, then you needed about 125 to 130 regular attenders because some people are going to miss, right? I mean, the fish bite sometimes, right? So to average 100, you needed about 125 regular attenders to average 100. You with me? The new normal is that if you want to run 100 in Sunday school, you need to run 200 to 225 regular attenders. Because you see, church attendance is just not all that important anymore. The things of God just doesn't melt the butter of many people today. So if you want your numbers to be better, which would represent people that come to hopefully learn and worship the Lord, you have to almost double what used to be. It's called the new normal. Again, the same is true when it comes to church finances. I'm not a, I don't preach on money, you know that, but listen to me for a moment. It used to be that to, to do the work of ministry required, say, 150 people giving, tithing. Now it's around 250 to 300, and people don't even believe in, and people don't tithe, they just tip God. How in the world, people listen to me, how in the world do you think the church of Jesus Christ today can share the gospel of the Lord Jesus that changes the eternity of people's lives when so many churches can't even pay the light bill? It's called the new normal. I don't know that it's all that new, frankly. Because even in the time of Daniel, there was the challenge of the people of God to stand up and live for God, and many were caving in. And yet Daniel and his friends said, I 
will not do that. Somehow Daniel, from deep inside of himself, he's had conviction and he said, no, I'm not. If you'll notice, it says in his mind, my Bible says in his mind. If you have a King James, it'll say in his heart. It's a core of where he was. And I believe it's the core of where you should be. That it doesn't make any difference which way the wind blows. And it doesn't make any difference what society says. I'm saying no. Because it's not the way God would have me go. That was his challenge. Notice his stand. Look at verse 8. I think verse 8 is the is the key to the whole thing. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. He made up his mind. Where does Satan always attack, gang? Where does Satan always attack? In the mind, doesn't he? Long before the decision is ever made visibly. Satan's already attacking the mind. And Daniel said, not me. That's not going to happen. And gang, I want you to know that when you stand for God, you may not change everything. You and I may not change everything. But I can tell you this, that when we stand for God, then we're going to have the peace of knowing that we did what was right. Daniel had the peace of knowing that he did what was right. Notice the blessing. Look at, look at verse 9. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. Look beginning verse 17. As for these four use God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams that at the end of the days which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials, presenting them before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king talked with them, and out of them all, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. As for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all of his realm. When Daniel stood right, God blessed Daniel and his friends. Now, gang, I want to give you three principles to live by this morning, and then we're going to be through. I pray for Indian Springs Baptist Church. I pray for Saline County. I pray for the state of Arkansas and the nation that Daniels would rise up and take their stand for God regardless of how any kind of wind blows. How do we do that? Let me give you three quick principles and then I'm going to be through. Okay? Number one, don't give in. Be resistant. Listen to me. Never let the culture 
eroding as it may seem to be. Never let the philosophy of this world, as radical as it may seem to be, never let the world determine your standards and your values. You draw the line where the Word of God draws the line. And young parents, every one of you, if you haven't been, you're going to be confronted with a completely different set of values than some of your children are going to come home with at the end of each day. You're going to have to wrestle through whether you're going to stand on the principles of the Word of God or whether you're going to give in to the, to the winds of a society that's radically, quickly turning from the things of Almighty God. And your decision is going to radically alter their lives. Collectively, our decisions are going to radically alter the direction of our nation. So when it comes time to vote, be sure you vote biblically correct. Don't give in. Be resistant. Don't give up. Be consistent. You know, when you read the pages of the Bible, you find that those who were used by God were those who lived consistent lives for God. Man, they, they just lived each day by taking one step in front of the other. They ate the elephant one bite at a time. That's how they lived. They didn't have all the answers, and they didn't, they didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring. Abram went out not knowing where he was going, but he went out because the voice of God told him to go. And those in the Bible who were greatly blessed of God and those in the Bible that were greatly used of God were those who stepped forth every single day living consistent lives for God. They set their priorities. They knew what their core values were. And they lived their core values. Be consistent. Number three, don't give out. Be persistent. The one thing that grabbed me about Daniel was that for 85 years, 85 years, Daniel persisted in doing what was right. He finished right. He finished strong. He didn't back down from the commands of a king. He didn't back down from the roar of a lion. He never compromised. He believed and he trusted God. And God blessed his life. He was one of the first taken in captivity. He just continued to the end of captivity. In fact, he outlived his captors. He was faithful to the end. And I've said to you, those of you that have been here for any length of time, I... My goal, not that I'm about to end, my goal is I want to finish right. I want to finish strong. The hair may be gray or it may be loose, but I want to tell you, dear people, I want to finish it right. Not just for me because it's the right thing to do for me, but because of my kids and my grandkids. I want to stand up 
And I want to be a man of God. Because my family deserves it. My God deserves it. And I want to challenge you men to stand up and be a man of God. You know, in the, in the New Testament, only one man was called a man of God. Did you know that? Only one guy. And when you read the New Testament, you think, well, that's Peter. Or it's Paul, mighty Paul, the, probably the greatest Christian who ever lived. He was the one. No. It was timid Timothy. A frail guy, they say. Man prone to weakness and sickness, they say. Man who was kind of shaky in some of the ways he lived, they say. But Paul said, oh, you man of God. Guys, I want to tell you if Timothy can be a man of God and be greatly used by God, you can as well. And the call upon our lives is to stand up Stand out, be faithful, and be persistent. And lead your family in the paths of Almighty God. Daniel lost everything that the world had to offer. But he didn't lose God, people. And at the end, that was enough. Let me give you a statement, and then we're going to pray. The victories of tomorrow are won on the battlefields of today. I want you to think about that. The victories of tomorrow are won on the battlefields of today. How we live, the decisions we make, the directions we go are going to far outlive most of our lives, at least my generation's life. So the victories that my children and my grandchildren hopefully will enjoy are fleshed out in the decisions that you and I make today. I want to ask you to bow your head for just a moment. And I want you to go back to what I began with. Would you let your mind go back to maybe an event in your life or a decision in your life that you made and how even today it affects your life. Maybe there's some ramifications of it today. Maybe there's some adjustments even being made today of because of a decision made or an event that happened a long time ago. Now fast forward to today. By God's grace, we're here in a church. By God's grace, we've taken a, a chapter out of the Word of God. Maybe challenge someone. 
And I wonder today if you'd be willing, and not so much visibly by coming down, that's your business, but maybe right in your heart sitting there. You might make the claim that Daniel had to make. No, I won't. I'll not go the way of the world. I will determine to live my life as best I know how the way the Word of God teaches me. I and my family will live outside of compromise. We'll live by conviction. Now, that's not just a trite saying, dear people. It means that you're saying before God, there's some things that are going to be altered in my life. There's some adjustments that's going to be made. My core value is going to be Jesus Christ and Him first, regardless of any pressure that comes. I want us to pray together and and we're going to stand quietly, and Stu will lead us. And I don't know whether you need to do something publicly. I, I, that's your business. But I don't want you to go out without something, some surrender or commitment in your heart. Father, I love you. God, I thank you for, Lord, allowing us. It's Daniel got jerked out of his place and never went back home. And yet he lived for you and resisted the pressure of compromise. We live in a free country. We go where we want to go. Today we're at church. May we realize the freedom that brings and the joy that should bring and the incredible privilege we have. But Father, help us to realize that some of the battles that we face today will determine the victories tomorrow. So give us some grit. Give us some strength. Let us today stand upon principles, principles of God's Word, not the whims of a society. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together. To come. to follow Jesus I have decided to follow Jesus I have decided to follow Jesus no turning back